what's going on everybody it is the first of the month hope everybody is settling into the end of summer here we are episode five of the college rugby wrap-up here with zach lanning doing our edition of sweet life of zach and colby because josh isn't here with us today unfortunately uh he's i heard he's gotten into a fight with a spartan I'm sure he's a, he's a he's an unsavory character that Josh. So he always uh, always finds trouble wherever he goes. I'm impressed. I we've been doing this for so long, and sweet life of sweet life of Zach and Colby is like the greatest thing I've ever heard, Colby. So I don't know. It took you so long to come up with that, but it's the best thing ever. I love it. I don't. I wish it kicked Josh off permanently. Pop a little graphic up of the show cover with our faces implanted on uh, Zach and Cody. Yeah, love it. I love it. I love this time of year too. We got plenty of rugby, like you're saying. This is it. We got we got the the draft in the rear view, but we got the the season coming up, man. Like everything is everything starting to happen for us here. Yeah, it's gonna be a long, fun, fun, super fun season, I think, ahead. Uh we were able to see the preseason rankings for a lot of the different conferences. Um, we'll talk about that a lot today. Talk about some games that we're looking forward to in regards to some of the powerhouses in the D1A division. Um but yeah, a lot of rugby just coming at us full force starting next week. And I just can't wait to break it down with you guys. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, we'll have to get Josh's thoughts another time. But I think the two of us can uh, can hold this down for sure. Definitely. And starting with the men's Division One rankings that recently came out, uh, just wanted to talk about the top three teams from each of these conferences and uh, what we might see from them. So Top three in the men's D1 conference are St. Bonaventure, the reigning Division I national champions. Uh, Bonnies are going to be at number one. Brown, uh, out of the Ivy League, the defending Ivy League champion, slotted in at number two in the men's Division I rankings. And then at number three is going to be Cutstown. Uh, you know, Cutstown is always just a powerhouse each and every year. Uh, they've had years lately where they've had a little drop off in talent, losing the likes of DeMonte Noble and uh, guys like Aaron Gray and even Matt Gelhouse, who went in the first round of this past year's draft now. But you can best believe Doc Jones is going to make sure that that roster is ready to compete. And boy, are they going to have to compete this fall with the schedule that they have. Army, Zach, right out the gate on September 9th, next week, That's tough. out the gate. That's tough. Right. The defending D1A national champions, Army. Then they got Penn State on the 17th. The Bonnies on October 15th next month. Uh, they also play Queens, who are number six in the D1 rankings sometime in October, I think on October 1st. And Mary Washington as well, sprinkled in somewhere in between in that schedule. So they're, they're going to have their work cut out for them this year. And uh, it's going to be really, really fun to watch uh, how they pan out. Yeah, Kutztown, a very strong team last year in both 15s and 7s. And you touched on that a little bit, but they lost a lot of talent in the draft this year. I think they had the most players drafted, Trent Rogers, uh, Kakoa Kawe going, uh, a lot of really, you know, strong players. I think uh, they still have a couple of their their stalwarts from last year. Uh, Matis Vili, I think is his name, is, is a, a you know pretty solid player. I think they still have some talent for sure. Uh, but I think that's probably what's keeping them from the top spot here and St. Bonaventure, you know, lost a few guys as well. Sebastian Valani in the draft went, uh, but they maintain that number one spot. I think I saw somewhere they added something like 30 freshmen in this class or something. I, they're becoming a bit of a rugby powerhouse out here in the East coast. So definitely keep an eye on, on how things go for them this season. But 
you're right. This uh, that opening schedule for Kutztown is tough, but I think every team is going to play a lot of tough schedule because the competition level has just increased so much. I mean, I look at this top ten, and pretty much every team in here except for Iona is is solid. So, um, uh, <laughs> the shade, <laughs> the subtle shade, not even subtle. But no, I think yeah, I I think it's 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 a really strong top ten. Um, and I'm really excited to see. Uh, and that's yeah, that's. Brown at number two. I mean, they did win the Ivy League last year. They probably upset a Dartmouth team that you know that had more success. I think overall, and you saw guys like Mike Weir leave that team um, and Jasper Green. So we'll see. Uh, you know, if if Brown can can do some big things this year. Now that Dartmouth has kind of taken down a peg, but um, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know about your Gales, Colby. We'll see. Coming from number eight, do you think they have enough to win it all? Well, as the defending Liberty Conference champions, you best believe the Iona University Gales are going to have a great season this year. Uh, I expect us to win the Liberty Conference once more and make it into the NCR uh, playoffs. Um, and I think this go around, you, you know, we'll have a little bit more experience playing in that sort of tournament Uh that, that tournament structure. It was our first year doing that last year when we lost to Cutstown uh, in, in that playoff. And so I think this year we'll have just a little more confidence going into that sort of tournament structure. Um, we are like Cutstown are losing some pretty important guys in Cam DiGiorgio and um, <laughs> more than too many other guys, but we're bringing back Brendan Buckley. We're bringing back uh, Billy Hopoi. <laughs> So the team's going to be locked and loaded and ready to go and ready to rock. Connor Burns. And they have their home opener tomorrow, actually, against UMass at 3 p.m. at Mozilla Field. So my- I, I'm looking forward to some D1 action at NCR this year. I think it's a strong, uh, it's strong throughout, too. The other divisions as well are are very uh some very strong competition in, in all in every every kind of level. Talk about the men's D1 AA conference. Uh the top three teams that were listed in the rankings we got virginia tech at number one virginia tech are a team in 2022 that will be betting on themselves again looking to repeat as champions operating as a club with player coaches as opposed to having the traditional head coach and uh traditional coaching staff that other clubs have uh they're led by their players and it's so impressive what they've been able to do the past few years competing at a high level winning the uh, national championship for their conference. And, uh, you know, they're going to have their work cut out for them this year. I think battling a team like Westchester, who are the runners up in the conference last year and uh, Tennessee is slotted at number two, while Westchester comes in at number three in the ranking. So I'm excited to see what Virginia tech can do this year and see if they can um, continue to be at the high level that they've been at with the player coaches at the helm. Yeah, I think that it, they're in a really interesting case. You know, you don't always see that the teams that usually are very successful, those that have a little more resources and are able to kind of, you know, have a, a distinguished coach in the building to take them through things. But they've done it kind of, I guess you say, the old school way, you know, where clubs at colleges just kind of developed on their own as, as you know, and student run kind of player run. And it's worked for them. I think they have the athletes and I'm really excited to see where that takes them this year. Uh, for me, the team to watch, though, in this D1 AA top 10 is number five Louisville. I think Louisville is going to make some serious noise this year. Um, I like a lot of the players that they, that they have on that squad. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how, how they compete this year. I think they're, they were a young team last year. Um, but, you know, I think they are, they have, they have a lot to say this year. 
the Citadel also a surprise at number 10. Um, they had a couple of guys like Noah Mills who playing in some all-star games last year who are moving on, but I think, you know, they probably replenished that talent uh, and they'd be interesting to watch too, but definitely keep an eye on Louisville. Uh, and then, yeah, and, and Westchester was exciting at the tournament too, but we'll see, um, see how these games end up playing out. Virginia Tech, I think, firmly entrenched at the top as we get into the season. Right. So it should be a lot of fun watching those teams in the D1AA conference as well. And then let's talk about the men's small college conference. Uh, I'm sure you'll have a lot to say in regards to this, Zach, with your uh, beloved Holy Cross slotting in at number four in these rankings, right outside the top three. Uh, but the top three for the men's small college conference is Christendom, who are the defending national champions. New Mexico Tech is slots in at number two, while St. John's comes in right before Holy Cross at number three. You know, Christendom are coming off of winning, like I said, the 15th national championship in the fall, uh, but did fall short to New Mexico Tech at the CRCs in Memphis in sevens. And so I think those two teams are going to see a lot of each other this fall again and surely are going to be coming for each other's head, I think. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think uh, New Mexico Tech, a lot of their um, success was Milan Van Wick related. I'm happy to see them prove me wrong next season uh, and see if they can earn that number two ranking. Uh, I think Christendom is is a very solid squad. We watched, we saw them in New Orleans. I mean, they're like just, they're, they're a lot of, they're a big, big team. And they're, you know, have a lot of good athletes on that squad. Um, they, yeah, they beat my Crusaders in the uh, 15s national championship as well for small college last year in the Cohen Cup. Uh, I think Holy Cross, Hopefully, can continue some success from last year. They they are losing, uh, their kind of two big props on the edge. Jack Swords being kind of the number one uh, player for them. I believe he's moving on now. So I'm I'm hoping that um they can continue that. You know, some success they had. Uh, interesting also to see. I'll say Loyola Maryland in that list. Um, sometimes they have a pretty good program. Some not always consistently good. Uh, so we'll see if they can make that that leap this year as well. Um, they're at number six for the small college, but. I think it's Christendom's, Christendom's competition to lose for sure. Are you going to try to make it out to any Holy Cross games this fall, Zach? It's a little more difficult for me than you popping over to Iona. It's like a, you know, I guess coming from Maine, it's not, it's maybe still a four hour drive then five hour drive as opposed to like a six or seven hour drive. But uh, I hope to get to one. We'll see. And maybe I'll do the alumni game again this year. Although I was sick for like two weeks after the last alumni game that I went to. So, uh, but we'll see. I'm hoping to get to one. That would be awesome if you got to call the game again, but hopefully yeah, you can get out to one. Yeah. So just to also wrap up the men's, the D2, uh, you know, is in Norwich uh, coming in at number one there with Northern Iowa and uh, Principia rounding out that top three. Uh, I think Norwich is always a strong side, but you have Georgetown in there too, who had a young fly half who I liked watching in the NCR uh, all-star tournament. Um, so I think, you know, they may be, they may be making some noises here as well, but probably Norwich is, division to to lose again always is always a strong competitive side um but yeah on the on the women's front uh on their in the d1 side of things Notre Dame College coming in at number one in the preseason ranking Michigan Josh will be upset if he was here Michigan the Wolverines coming in at number two uh, and then UNI University of Northern Iowa coming in at number three even after losing Maggie Burns and Sierra Standerson Edwards who both graduated um so that is a Pretty solid top three. We'll see if you and I can hold on. Uh, but Notre Dame College was was a very strong side last year, looking to build on on some success uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, but for me, Colby, 
the team to watch in that division is number four, Iowa, who I think really stood out to us uh, in NOLA uh, when we were there at the Sevens tournament. They have some really, really good players, uh, some young players. They were flying all over the pitch out there. So look for Iowa to make some noise in that uh, division as well. I like their odds this year, and they're kind of my uh, dark horse favorite uh, going season yeah i think yeah i think they're gonna uh i think they're gonna be i think they're gonna be good this year uh that's don't don't put anybody on it but maybe for that definitely to overtake northern iowa and we'll see if they can come for notre dame college as well very nice very nice uh yeah so that's pretty good and then uh, you know just the d2 side of things for the women marquette uh who i believe are returning champions uh grand valley state at number two uh, Roger Williams at number three. Uh, but I like the Wisconsin Eau Claire team at four and Wayne State at five to kind of be the competitors this year. I think Marquette is actually pretty solid. They'll probably have a good grip on things, but uh, look for Wisconsin Eau Claire and Wayne State to to punch above their weight, I think, this year um, and make a play for that top spot in the rankings. I think it's always so interesting to try and predict the teams that are going to surprise us and make a run because I think inevitably there are going to be those teams that we didn't see coming that do make a run and make some noise. And so I, I love just speculating and, you know, looking at like who teams picked up in the off season, who's leaving new coaching staff, new structures and how that might play into maybe a surprise team coming into the fold. So. Yeah, I think it, you got, I mean, you got to, pick your shot now in the off season, you know, we're doing just uh, kind of putting our pitching our wagons here, putting our faith in a couple of squads. Cause these rankings, they're really hard to do. You know, I, I kudos, I called rugby kudos to anybody who, who attempts to put these together. Cause there's so many factors that go into it. And there are a lot of them are based off of previous years, you know, uh, success and, and, and things like that. And you're trying to project ahead, but there's so much that changes. Like you mentioned, you know, you have the graduating class. You don't know how impactful those players were, you have younger players that are coming into the program. They're maybe developing over the summer. Like maybe one player went to a summer camp and completely changed their game, you know, played a lot over the summer and got some expert coaching. And now they're ready to come back and be an X factor. So it's really, really difficult to tell what teams are going to take that leap. Um, so, you know, the rankings as, as I'm sure as much work went into them, it's, I, you know, it's tough for them to stay the way they are throughout the year i mean even on look at college football those you know the ap poll whatever they rank those teams and sometimes the top teams will stay the top teams but there's a lot of turnover there and think of all the data they have and all the information they have about players so yeah uh, it's it's not a, an exact science that's for sure i mean you could also look at college basketball and a team like north carolina who i think weren't even ranked going into last season and made the were the runners up for the national championship and are now going to be like in the top three for this upcoming season. So yeah, it, it just goes to show you, you never, never know what, uh, what can happen. Yeah. And uh, another example of that Colby, we can pivot here, you know, now that we've talked a little bit about NCR teams, something we didn't know what was going to happen that we tried to predict was the MLR draft that took place a couple weeks ago. I hope everyone checked out our live stream of that. I had a lot of fun doing that with you guys. I mean, that was a blast. Uh, and it t tired us out so much we skipped the whole week of the podcast. But um, <laughs> we're open to do some more stuff like that. But, Colby, I think we can sit now and kind of we've had some time to reflect and just chat about which MLR team we thought did the best job in the draft, you know, who had the best overall draft class, and then maybe some of the steals of the draft or some of the better picks that we thought or team fits that we thought were made. Um, and I can kick things off. 
to get us started here. But, you know, I, I you look at a couple of the teams like Dallas, you know, who had just a huge haul of players because they had so many picks. Same with uh, Nola, who I think I'll talk about in a little bit. But for me, my favorite class that combined just, I think, kind of, you know, they had a decent number of picks, but they really utilized those picks and they they um, they were able to to fill a lot of, of needs was was Old Glory D.C., uh, who had my favorite draft of, of the 2022 draft. I think they were a team that was in need of an infusion of talent after a really tough season last year for them. You know, I think they have some some explosive athletes on that team, but they needed to fill out some positions. Uh, and I think they did a good job of doing that with their first pick. There was a bit of a surprise for us sitting at home, but maybe not for anybody else around the league or any Canadians, but Kelly Martinez going in the first round uh, as the prop at a university of British Columbia, who is just a, a mauler, you know, who looks like he's one of the better athletes in the draft. And I think it's going to be a huge boost for them. Uh, and then to snag who I think was a, 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 a is it going to be a difference maker? Probably a bit of an underrated pick in Colin gross out of army. You know, I think Koi Koi got a lot of the headlines because he's such a great leader and he's such, you know, a passionate guy and he was he's really had a really great season for them but Colin Gross I think quietly as their lock flanker uh you know was a was a solid part of that team he was a, a collegiate all-american on the third team D1A he's played for you know the US and the U23 teams uh and just a big athletic body so I think um that was a good pick for them there uh and then to round it out with you know Alex Bayadaris from Queens University of Charlotte another prop who I thought moved really well on film and I thought could be, you know, explosive athlete. Uh, his teammate Doyle Hedgepeth got some of the headlines, uh, but he was, he was great on the other side as well. Another, another great athlete. Um, and then the pick of the draft for me was them, the old glory DC snagging Mike Weir in the third round, you know, taking a shot on, I think the highest ceiling fly half in the class. I think, you know, Mike Weir can end up being a, a huge star in this league going forward. Give him a couple of years to put some muscle on his frame uh, and just to get a little more pro ready, I think, you know, he could be he could be a very good player for Old Glory. So to get a fly half of the future in the third round there, uh, they haven't been the right since Jason Robertson left. You know, they had a tough season without him this year. So to snag that that potential fly half of the future in the third round rounds out a very, very solid draft class, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, I think you're spot on with that Mike Weir analysis. We got to see him up close at the CRCs. He's somebody that just has the fundamentals of the game down. He has the IQ has the passion for it. You can see it in his game, the energy and the excitement that he plays with. And like you said, maybe it's just him putting on more muscle and becoming a man because I, honestly, a lot of these players are still kids. They're 22, 23 years old. They haven't even hit their physical prime yet. And it's just exciting to think about the potential that a guy like Mike Weir has. So I think you're spot on with that analysis right there on the fly half from Dartmouth. Yeah, who do you like the best, Colby? Who was your favorite draft from this uh, this past draft? Which team did the best job? Honestly, it's hard not to take my eyes off of what Utah did. And, you know, it started off with them selecting Ty Cowie out of Cutstown. I think he definitely fills a need for them at the scrum half position. Um, you know, we caught up with him at the CRCs as well. He's a great player, insanely physical at that position comes from a great program and will probably be able to help them right away. So I'm really excited to watch him play and Gabe Kettering. They took in the first round as well. The prop from Lindenwood who fell a little farther than I think a lot of us anticipated, but he's another guy. Like uh, I think I liken him to Sam Gala in the sense that he's physically ready to play at the next level. And he comes from a great university in Lindenwood and a great program. So he'll be ready to contribute 
I would believe right away at the MLR level. So we did hear Colby something that may have impacted his draft stock after the draft uh, on Twitter. Uh, his mother actually, I believe, reached out on Twitter and said that he had or she was watching our stream and commented on our stream, actually, uh, and said that Gabe has committed to playing next season in Ireland overseas. Uh, so he won't mm -hmm. be available right away for Utah, which may, again, have contributed to what, you know, because he's not going to be immediately available for a team. But that's invaluable, you know, international experience for a guy who already has the physical tools and played at a great university here. So, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I think that Kettering pick by the Warriors is uh, delayed gratification, but definitely worth, you know, that that initial uh, that initial cost of missing a year of his time that's going to pay dividends going forward. For sure. And I think Utah are in a good position to where they can still compete at a high level uh, and then <laughs> include a Gabe Kettering in one or two years to a, probably a team that's going to be formidable enough to compete for a championship. So that's going to be really exciting for them. Uh, additionally, they took in the second round, Greg Januick out of the University of Tennessee. Um, we had a lot of Midwest guys go in this draft. Uh, Alex Goff did a nice piece on the amount of guys that were selected from that area, from the Utah, Illinois, Midwest region. And it, not to take away, he said, you know, from the traditional, you know, players that are taken out of California and how much that area is looked at, but I think the Midwest, you know, he was saying is something to be reckoned with now. And Greg Janowick is a a good uh, a, a good outlier in that theory. You know, coming out of Illinois, 6'5", 265 pounds, physical specimen, physical beast. Uh, really, I think he'll be a good player. Sam Buckley as well out of Lindenwood, another player coming from a great university. He's going to be uh, familiar with, Gabe Kettering once he comes along in a, in a couple of years, one or two years. So that'll be a nice tandem. I think if Buckley is still around and I think he will be because he's a great player, uh, has that international experience as well, playing at the prop position from England and outside of what Utah did. I do also really like what the Seattle Seawolves did in the first round, taking Shane Barry, the fly half out of UCLA. He's an international player as well from England and he fits the need for them. I wouldn't necessarily say need because they have AJ Alatumu who had a great season at five half, but I think AJ can play in at different positions and um, Shane Barry will have an opportunity to compete. I think uh, get some reps at that position, at least in the beginning in the preseason and uh, throughout the year at, at least. So I think that's, that's just a great pick for them. Uh, young fly half, 22 years old, part of the USA selects from 2021 so I really like that pick for Seattle. I had them taking a fly half in the first round, not Shane Barry, uh, but I, I did have them taking a fly half. So I think they made the right call there. Yeah, I agree. I think Seattle did a good job. Um, they loaded up on a couple backs in the early rounds with Barry and then Sam Wieger from uh, from Canada, who's a center as well. And then in the back end of the draft, they took some forwards uh, with Neil Moylet from, from Lindenwood. Anytime you can get a, a Lindenwood guy later in the draft, I think is a good always a good pickup just based off how successful that program is. Uh, and James Kwahi Winui uh, from Iowa Central Community College, which is one of those up and coming kind of Midwest rugby factories, you know, a lot of really good, talented guys um, coming out of that area. So I agree with you. Seattle did a good job. Um, and Utah especially had a great class as well. Uh, but for me, I think the this my second favorite class, and I mentioned them earlier, but it's got to be the Nola Gold who, you know, came in, knowing they had to do a good job because they had so many picks and they wanted to take so many bites at the apple 
uh, and they do really well in this draft process. Uh, in, the, in the previous years, they've been successful. Uh, but I think even with that pressure, added pressure, they nailed it, even though they surprised the crap out of us with Sebastiano Villani as their first overall pick in their in their class in the first round, uh, the scrum map out of St. Bonaventure. Uh, but, you know, reflecting on that more, I think it's just a really solid pick. I think he's a really great rugby player and a great talent. Uh, and is a great, <clears throat> excuse me, a great addition to that. That team uh, is going to be a great player for a long time. Uh, and then to follow it up with two more first round picks, Chase Jones out of St. Mary's, who's a lock and also could play flanker. Uh, and then Trent Rogers from Kutztown, another Kutztown product. One of my favorite props in the draft. Um, you know, so that that's a really, really solid first round pick. Uh, and then uh, first round of three guys. And then to steal Jack Manzo out of Cal in the second round, the hooker who was, you know, probably uh, just as successful and talented as Sam Gala uh, at UCLA uh, to have him as your hooker in your building coming out of a, a premier program like Cal is a huge get in the second round. Uh, and then I like the shot they took in the third round on Christian only out of Ohio State. I think he was a dynamic athlete, uh, plays on the wing. Uh, and and really showed what he had at I think the rugby showcase or the shield either one he played at, um, but was was a standout at at those competitions. Uh, and I think he's going to be a good asset, especially for kind of a later later draft dart throw on a kid who may not have all the rugby experience necessary, but has the athletic tools um, and can kind of make an impact right away with his speed and and his um, his athleticism. So. Great draft by Nola as well, and they always are successful in that draft. I'm excited to see what kind of impact this class has uh, on, on that team going forward who didn't were not as successful as I think they wanted to be last season. Um, but I, I I also like a couple other just random picks just to put them out there. Dallas had like a 1,000 guys that they took, uh, but their second-round pick of Masvida Nyamarevo, who was a guy I liked heading in, is really savvy. He's going to be a good player for them. Uh, and Jason Tidwell, the fly half out of Texas A&M, uh, I think is also a savvy pickup uh, in the third round uh, for Dallas, who just had a boatload of guys coming in from this draft. Um, and then just my my uh, Evan Conlon, I'll say also, too, going to rugby ATL out of the third round from Lindenwood, just freak athlete. I think he's going to be a lot of rugby experience, too. He'll be pretty good. Uh, and then my last one is just Houston with their one pick and the last overall pick in the entire draft stealing Brandon Carnes, who we love on this podcast, uh, the prop uh, from the, that Josh can't get enough of, who just loves to watch him play from Iowa State. Uh, that's a huge savvy pickup by Houston. To have one shot at things and to get somebody like Brandon Carnes in your building, I think uh, I think they did well. So uh, that's those are all my thoughts on the draft, Colby. Yeah, Sabercats definitely walking with their heads high, I think, after taking Brandon Carnes uh, from the draft. But all great stuff, Zach. I do want to ask you if there is one player in this draft that you think is going to make, I guess, is going to have an like, well, certainly like no doubt about it. Like he's going to have an impact on the league for years to come. Is it this, is it Sam Gala at number one? Is is he the guy that is just like the guy who's going to get it done? Like no matter, like without a doubt. That's tough. I, I think so. I mean, I, I can't imagine him not be, I mean, he doesn't play a necessarily like flashy position, you know, so he's not, might not be somebody that pops up uh, in the stat sheet so often right away, especially, but I think he is somebody who's going to get in that building in Dallas and just solidify, you know, them as, as a legitimate program and bring a lot of leadership experience and, and, and rugby IQ. And he's a great athlete too. He's a big body. So yeah, I think, I think you'll see him around, 
you know, uh, barring any sort of freak circumstances for a very long time in this league. Uh, and hopefully start to see him more at the national level as well. Uh, if that's something he's interested in pursuing. But I think uh, I think he's a, was a huge, you know, home run swing for Dallas on the first overall pick. Uh, and there's a reason that he was kind of consensus drafted there throughout. So uh, I think he'll be good. But we also got to say, mention our friend Koi Koi, who I think going to San Diego, I think, you know, as long as he does it can defer his his service time i think he's going to make a huge impact in that building in san diego just injecting a lot of youth and passion uh and rugby iq and, and knowledge and and you know uh smarts and and just uh somebody who loves the game so i think he's going to be a huge hit in san diego as well yeah the reigning mvp for the army knights koi koi nelligan uh is just one of the many players in this draft that will have an impact at the next level and i know that we can't wait to see and uh, with the college season getting underway next week, we're going to get an insight on a lot of the next generation of talent that is to come into the MLR in coming years. With that, Zach, I think that's all we have for today's episode. Um, a lot of fun as always. Definitely stay tuned in for next week, guys, as we dive in to the first week of the college season on the college rugby wrap up. But for today's show, that wraps it up. I'm Colby Marshall here with, my man, Zach Lenning. Zach, take us out. Can't wait for rugby, man. We got games finally. We got real meaningful games, men's and women's college rugby action. We're going to break down the games that happen. We're going to preview upcoming games you guys got to check out in the following weekend. So stick with us. Um, I uh, can't wait, man. Can't wait. Bart Scott.